We've been thrilled to be partnered with Santa Anita for their 2023 Classic Meet. Santa Anita's Pick 5 pools have averaged over $1 million thus far during the Classic Meet. Don't miss out on racing every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday with a first post at 12 p.m. Pacific Time. Additionally, every weekend, host the $18,000 Santa Anita Pick'em Contest, an online contest mixing popular sports props offered every Saturday and Sunday, 500 in prize money to the top winner each day. And finally, you can get involved in the $7,500 show Viver contest still. Play in the Santa Anita free online game. Select one horse a day to compete for prize money across six different categories. Play for free at SantaAnita.com slash contest. We are also very excited to be partnered with Naira for the rest of 2023. We're going to be featuring Saturday racing coverage each week on the Players Podcast, as well as daily write-ups and analysis over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com. Also, be sure to look for our picks and content over on the Naira.com website under the Picks, Plays, and Promotions page. Lastly, make sure you don't miss out on America's Day at the Races coverage. You can find a schedule of where you can find them and when you can find them every racing day via inthemoneypodcast.com slash TV. Hello and welcome to the In The Money Players Podcast. This is our show for Monday, April 10th, uh, Easter Monday, as it's known in some places where they actually have it off. We do not. We're here working away. Um, and uh, kid has school and everything. It's kind of crazy. Uh, Peter Thomas Fortital back with you in the Brooklyn Bunker. Once again, whether you're listening uh, in podcast form or watching us on YouTube, this is a show we've done versions of before, sort of a Kentucky Derby and Oaks market watch we're going to go through play a little buy sell hold if you hear one of these uh offers that you love let us know in the comments on youtube get the conversation going there and joining me to play this little game is a man who will be also participating a little bit later today in our annual kentucky derby draft he is from in the money podcast.com and many other places nick tamaro nick what's going on Doing great, my man. Glad to talk about these races and not have to bet them again. Not that I did uh, anything smart in that respect. So hoping that the uh, post-race analysis is enough. Well, you know, sometimes we find in going through these things that little nugget that can lead to the payday down the line. I mean, that's that's how you look at it. What's the old expression? You either you, you, you don't win or lose, you win or learn. Like, ho- hopefully there was some learning going on. You did have one... Uh, one one beat I noticed that I did want to give you time to 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 vent about uh, with our friends at at Naira in their contest was that that was that that's the one where you were where you were acting yeah I would have had a big uh, I would have had a nice double from the fifth to the sixth if Chad's entry had won it's kind of tough to call a four to five entry getting beaten by the longest shot on the board a tough beat but it was more of like a, let me slam something into the trash can in my in my announcer's booth. Um, which was, it was tough to take because I mean, I looked, I looked about one to five at the quarter pole and, and I pretty much made my whole play about getting the double alive to, to Gilmore and Joey Freshwater. So of course, then, you know, given that that sort of depleted most of my bankroll, I didn't come back with the value exacta, which was incredible at 1780 for a dollar. So, you know, it's just one of those things. I mean, gambling in, in just on just about anything is a momentum game. And if you lose your momentum and you're you're not in the right spot, then you can really cost yourself a great deal of money. So um, that was probably the highlight of the day. So you can tell how it went from there. 
Yeah, not good. Not not. I I had a rough I had a rough time too. But hopefully, we're going to be able to to turn this around. Let's start by looking at the Kentucky Derby futures market, which has been shaken up a little bit by the events that we saw, and then we'll do our recap. You know, within the context of that, Forte has stayed pretty steady um, off the move in from last week. He's available at five to two at the top of the market. Let's just start with him. Is that a buy, sell, or hold number for you? Oh, sell, sell, sell. Five to two <laughs> on him is, uh, you know, it's an atrocious price. That's, um, you know, to me, and maybe I, I look at this in my own myopic type of way, but if you're going to click under three to one in the Derby, you better have a massive advantage on everybody else. You know, you better be significantly better. And when we're, when we're talking about under three to one in the Derby, to me, we're talking about the likes of American Pharaoh and, and California Chrome and um, justify, you know, horses that had clear and distinct speed figure advantages, which Forte doesn't even have. You know, he's not even necessarily the fastest horse in the race. I mean, I think for all practical purposes, pun intended, practical move is the fastest horse in the race of the domestic contingent. So, um, yeah, five to two is just way too low. Fair odds for me on Forte, looking at, at if we based it on the 20 that we think will go right now, probably more like four to one. Yeah, four to one, nine to two. He won't, he'll be longer than five to two on the day, almost. 100%. Definitely. So, this almost is certainly. A this is a sell all the way, even if you want to buy it back later. Uh, it, you know, it, the way we play this game, I think we're, we are in agreement. He goes with a big chance. I mean, four to one, nine to two. These are numbers in a 20 horse field that represent a horse with goes with a great chance. Just a little bit too much, uh, a little bit too much love uh, in the anti-post market for, for this horse who did not have some breakthrough speed figure uh, top. Uh, you, you know, it's hard. It's hard to know exactly which way he's going certainly goes as a big contender so the new news market wise after this weekend and we can use this to do a little bit of recapping of uh, of the bluegrass stakes tap it trice now moves into clear second choice in these markets at the sharpest book it's interesting there's some division between the sharpest book and the rest of the market the sharpest book having him the lowest price six to one seven to one at a whole bunch of other books uh, where do you st- first of all, where do you stand on that number on Tapatrice? And uh, then give me your thoughts on the race. I like the race he ran very much. Um, I, I thought that he was uh, significantly more into the into the bridle early, which is good. That's a good thing to see. That's going to bring Luis Saez a lot more comfort as well. So I think he's going to be a little handier. Um, you know, we're we're it's going to be, it's a little difficult right now to assess exactly where you want to see your horses run early because we don't know exactly what the pace scenario in the Derby is going to shake out as. So, you know, we're doing a little bit of, of, uh, you know, forecasting of what it's going to look like, but it would seem obvious that if Tappet Trice can stay a little closer, that's a good thing. You know, I don't think you want a horse that's going to drop back to the second half of the field in what looks like it should be nothing more than a moderately paced race at this point. So, you know, I don't envision that that it's going to be very easy for anybody to come from way back there. So I thought he ran very well. You know, I thought as far as the race goes and recapping the race, you know, what I would have liked from verifying would have been if uh, there's a clear mark between about the three eighth pole and the quarter pole 
where Tyler Gaffleone is still just, I mean, he is not ass verifying at this point. And he, he kind of let Tappet Trice get all the way up to him before he got into him. And, you know, what I would have liked having bet on verifying is if Tyler maybe would have tried to, to squirt away at the, you know, the, the three eighth pole, maybe put a little separation on Tappet Trice. I, I don't think that verifying is ever winning a quarter mile grind fest head to head with Tappet Trice in the, you know, the eighth and ninth furlongs of a, of a mile in an eighth race. That being said, I would be very concerned about verifying's ability to go a mile and a quarter. Um, and that, that that's something with Tappet Trice. That's not a concern at all. Six to one to answer the buy, sell, hold portion of it. Probably more of a hold for me. I don't really know if I'm buying at six. That seems a little shorter than you want. But look, I mean, this is a this is a top three contender. Yeah, th- this could be the type of year, and we've speculated about this before. After seeing a two hundred to one shot win last year, that all the long shots are overbet, and these horses at the top of the market actually are better prices than they than they quote unquote should be. Right. And Tapatrice to me is one of the horses that could benefit from that phenomenon, maybe. And and I kind of think we're going to get eight to one on the day. So I'm going to have to remain in lockstep with you here and and call this one a hold. As for the race, I was pretty impressed with it. I mean, having I think you make a good point about what Tyler might have done on verifying if he had the chance to do over again, because Tapatrice had to he really had to make two moves right to the move to to get into contention. Yeah on the backstretch and then continuing, uh, continuing on down the lane. It's the kind of race that in my brain is a little bit better than the raw 99 speed figure. Do you think that's, you think that's fair to say just in, in ability terms? Yes. I actually thought the figure was going to be a little bit higher. I tweeted late Saturday night before the figures had come in that just based on my own calculations, doing, uh, having made speed figures for a while, I felt like it was going to be more like a little bit over a hundred, um, I think, I think Andy Byer maybe split a tad from the, the other tricky part of it is that there were no other dirt routes on the car. There was this super fast maiden race earlier on in the program that I think maybe, you know, maybe threw things off a little bit, but, um, yeah, I felt like it could have easily been a one Oh one. Um, in fact, if you use the variant for the rest of the card, it should have been a one Oh one. And yeah, what it was, his PPs look, they look a little sexier if he's got a one Oh one fig last time <laughs> than, a, than a 99. So um, I, I thought it was uh, it was probably as complete an effort as we've seen in a derby prep this year. I think it's it's safe to say, mainly because he overcame some adversity. He moved multiple times. He went wide. You know, there was just a lot that went on that he was able to withstand. And and I I feel like you know Tappet Trice can definitely win the derby. I wonder if we're going to get you know, a potentially slightly troubled trip third, and then he is just going to be everybody's darling in the Belmont. <laughs> I could see it. I could see he's got that bloodline for sure uh, to, to, to help support that case. And I think there's an interesting difference as a trip-oriented handicapper to point out, Nick, between the difference in the trips that, because I think we're pretty much in lockstep about this as well, the difference in the trip that Forte had where he overcame he overcame his own like tricky first portion of the race like he sort of put himself in a little bit of a jackpot by not really being able to seemingly catch up as much whereas the tapit trice trouble was the trouble of like a dynamic that just didn't favor him i thought and i felt like he was just 
I just felt like he did more running throughout the course of the race. And, you know, good on Forte for overcoming it. And, may, and maybe, you know, but I feel like if you want to make the case that Forte really is this clear three to one type horse in the Derby, you almost have to say, well, that was his off. That was his off day last time. Wait till you see what he does next, where I feel like you just take what Tapatrice did a bit more literally. And he just looks <clears throat> every inch the Derby contender on the rise. Would, would you agree with that assessment of those two trips? I think that's fair. I don't, you know, I don't have a strong argument against that. I'd probably fall right in line with it. Um, you know, they got on time form us, they got respectively 116 and 115 figures. Forte's was a little bit higher. Um, that was mainly because that is a coded red pace on time form us. So Forte did expend a little bit more energy early. I think in the Derby, that's what's going to happen though, right? Forte will be a little bit more forwardly placed than Tapit Trice. He'll have to be used a little bit harder early. You know, the concern that comes up is that with regards to kind of juxtaposing these two against each other is that I don't think anybody to a man would tell you we've seen Tapit Trice's best. I think if, if at all, we saw his best on Saturday, right? We'll find out if that's it. That's all he has. I think we've seen Forte's best. I think Forte's best was last year in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. I just don't know if he is that caliber of racehorse anymore. And so that was, that's those are reasons why you don't want to take a short price on one that you think may have peaked already. And you do want to take a, you know, a, a somewhat more attractive price on a horse that still has upside. Let's move on down the line in the marketplace. Uh, the old second choice, now the third choice, Angel of Empire, uh, 10 to 1 at the sharpest book eights as low as eights at other places what do you think of a 10 to 1 type number on angel of empire and how does your reckoning of him change after what we saw this weekend it probably it's probably fair um i don't know personally if i would buy it at that price i think it seems like the right price i, I wouldn't uh you know 10 or 12 probably is, is somewhere where it needs to be you know so much of this and i'm sure we'll get to the source pretty soon but so much of this pricing conversation depends on just how hog wild the public goes for Dermasodagake, yeah. right? I mean, he's the horse that you could see be 10. You could see him be 18. You know, you're probably going to be somewhere in between. And um, he's going to be tough to handle from a wagering perspective because we just don't know how much the public is really going to sink their teeth into. And uh, so it seems like I I'd say 10 or 12 on Angel of Empire is fair. He'd be a slight buy for me at that price. He'd be a, a conservative buy. I don't I don't love his running style for the Derby. I don't love that he's blossomed into just like a big one run closer, at least in the context of this race, because it feels like this is just not going to be a very fast paced Derby. So that would be my, that would be my, my only hesitation. There's a bunch of horses in this odds band. And the next one listed is Derma Sotagake. One of the two bets that I've made so far, and we'll do a little Oaks, you know, we'll get through, you know, seven or eight of these, and then we'll move over to the Oaks. Obviously we have weeks to talk about this race. We do not need to, uh, we do not need to spend it all here, but Derma Sotagake, I was able to get right before it disappeared. The, uh, the, the, some 22 to one there, which I feel real good about. Now we're seeing 12 to one and I don't know. There's a, a world in which it could be shorter than that, but boy, it's, it's starting to feel like uh, it's starting to feel like you're maybe taking a little bit the worst of it at, at if you're, especially because 12 to one is the best available there. There's also, you know, half the books have this horse at 10 to one at that. I, I think I'd take my chances on the day. We, we're not going to have Japanese money commingled in. So that's not a factor of get these horses getting bet down could become a horse that everybody sort of lands on with the Japanese narrative. I don't know. It's another one for me where I'm, uh, 
I'm I'm pretty holdy at 12 to 1 on Dermasodagake, even though I've bet him. But, you know, obviously betting him at nearly twice that is, is a very different deal. What do you think, if I held your feet to the fire about what price this horse is going to be on the day, I know you just said you you can't really predict it, but I'm going to force you force you to, and then uh, and then play the game at twelve to one. Yeah, I'd probably sell at twelve. That's too low. He should be fifteen plus. Um, you know, there's so much about him that we just don't know. You know, he's there's so many variables. What we do know is that you know what was what we kind of described and what internationally had been described as a. A, a B or C team type horse from Japan came over and just lost the Santa Anita Derby by a beak. Right. Yeah. So, you know, what we know is that these horses are, um, are, are obviously very formidable. One of the things that I've seen that I, I don't care for in terms of, or I just don't agree with in terms of, of the anti-conversation is that the travel and the, and all of that is too much. He's already here. Right. Right. I don't think that's a worry at all. I mean, if that's what if that horse gets beaten, it's because maybe the you know the the travails of the Derby is what gets him. The the difficulty of the race itself, it's not going to have anything to do with how much he traveled. That was an argument against Aiden O'Brien horses in the past to me because they would come in very close to the race. Right. So there was no time for acclimation. You know, there was no opportunity to get a lot of extensive training over the surface. He's already been on the Churchill Down surface three days. Right. So, I mean, it, now the, the thing that's going to be interesting to me, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about this leading up to it, is that they're going to train him their way, right? And so he's going to gallop a lot. He's probably going to work very slowly. You know, I saw a little bit of chatter last week about Mandarin Heroes, half and 53 and three. You know, yeah. they don't train like us. So I guess, you know, my point with all of this is that from two weeks out in, you're going to have Tapatrice show up and he's going to work like a champ because he's a great workhorse. Forte is going to work well because he's a good workhorse as well. Every Brad Cox horse works well. Yep. So that to me might be the situation where his odds start to drift up a little bit. Yeah. And that's yep. where you're going to have some conversation about other horses that are going to take him away. I mean, we've this is the fourth horse we've talked about. I think there's only one more that might be a slightly shorter price than him. And and so those horses all have a have an opportunity, I think, to have their prices come down a tad. And that's also taking out anybody else that could be in the field that might show up and turn heads a little bit. But um, at least at this point, I think we're going to end up getting much better than 12 to 1 on the day. Yeah, the more we talk it through, I think it's a sell at 12. Um, we'll see, though. The narratives can go either way. I mean, Crown Pride had all that buzz last year. But you, you make a great point about this specific group of horses being a lot of horses that have the potential to, you know, be that horse, that talking horse derby week that we seem to see every single year. Next on the list, this horse has the widest um, variability of numbers on, on the list. That, that might just because one of these books hasn't updated, though, which would be kind of strange um, after a weekend like we just saw. Practical move as low as nine, as high as 14. Um, just for interest, and because I haven't really given a buy yet. I'll say at 14, I'd be pretty hard tempted to buy. I don't even know if that's a real number. Um, nine, you're certainly getting into just the price kind of territory on practical move. But let me hear your analysis of this horse who, you know, the public flocked to. But I have to say among my conversations in, in our crowd, you know, it was a lot of people didn't really respect this horse as an even money type going into the Santa Anita Derby. How, do you, how did you feel about him going in? How do you feel about him coming in? You know, going in, he looked like the favorite. Obviously, this race changed in terms of uh, of how it played out with Go Rocket Ride scratching on Saturday morning. It ended up being uh, 
undoubtedly a slower paced race than than we anticipated. Uh, but, you know, there's something to be said for a horse that just shows up every time. And Practical Move now, three straight starts, has shown up. He's clearly gotten better as a three-year-old. You know, in any year, he fits the profile of exactly what you're looking for in a horse you want to back in this race. He's run two fast figures relative to this crop. He's run extremely fast. Um, he seems to be getting better. You know, the question becomes, do you really, do you think his game will travel? Will he be able to get that? He seems to really like that cozy inside stalking trip. And and I don't know if he's kind of a rail rat, but he does seem to be more comfortable being inside. That is not always something. I mean, that's usually a trip that doesn't avail itself in the Derby. And, um, and so you, you wonder a little bit about that, you know, I just, I really don't have a good read on him, Pete. I, I don't, it was a, it was an evenly paced race on Saturday. They didn't go fast. They didn't go slow. You know, the numbers looked quick. The 46 and one did, but it was a, it was a, it was a quick surface. So um, in terms of, a, of an overall pace line, you know, he went a little bit quicker than Forte early um, and a little bit quicker late. So middle part was very much identical to the kind of race that Forte ran. This is a horse that can get his forward position and seems like he can still finish a little bit. So, you know, he's a, he's a definite buy at 15 to one. There's just no reason for him to be that big a price. He's also not a horse that in the past California horses, you knew would take a lot of money because there's always a, like a big California contingent that will, will bet these kind of horses. Um, he also seems like the kind of a horse that if, you know, CAW would really latch onto because figure wise, he's a good fit. He's likely to be an overlay as well. So that's my take. I, I think I talked a lot and didn't really say much. A <laughs> hundred buyer speed figure. When you did your analysis, is that, was that what you came up with or were you a little higher? I can't remember. Yeah, I was a high nineties. So it was basically right, right in line with where I thought um, it was a race that, from the figure maker's perspective, I mean, coming off the turf actually was was pretty helpful because it significantly increased the number of dirt races. Um, there was not a race on the card that kind of stuck out as a boy that should have been, you know, a little faster, a little slower. The the Calbreds, these two Calbreds that are actually a lot of fun, Kangaroo Court and Bus Buzz, who incidentally Kangaroo Court is another Tim Yak team trainee. They went slow, but they just murdered each other early. And so they went a 43 and four half. And so that was the race where it was like, well, did they go that slow? Cause they both ran 90 plus figs the time before. That's just one of those races where a final time figure is going to be significantly more affected by the way they ran. And then, yeah, I mean, it worked out very well figure wise to give phase of that 89 later in the program um, because everybody behind her fit with exactly what they had been running. She took a step forward. No one else did. And Mandarin Hero, we should talk about him here. Let me see if I can find a price. He's obviously not in the ones at the top of the market. I mean, I had sort of evaluated him as a mid-80s figure horse coming in. So, I mean, maybe I was just way wrong. I mean, we certainly have a, a very relevant data point that I was way wrong. But there is some part of me that wants to, you know, discredit the form a little bit um based on that it's it's hard to know it's a, it's a hard race to know what to do with but i mean do you see any mandarin hero on your tickets for the derby um i, I mean i i would certainly be willing to throw him in the bottom end of the trifecta if i what dabbled in the super i mean at 25 30 to 1 he seems like a great fit for that pretty much a grindy type that um that did get a forward position pretty well what i thought and what i think augurs well for derma sodagake who has a more distinct running style is that uh, I thought it was a great sign that this horse kept up very well early. And I mean, as far as, as far as derby preps in this final round go, 
it was not a particularly fast-paced race. But as far as those preps go, it was a fast-paced race. We, we've not seen – I mean, the Louisiana Derby is one that you can take out of the equation altogether because the pace was just absolutely glacial. And and I saw somebody – I tweeted the other day mainly just to, you know, to get the conversation started about Dermis Sotogake winning the race and saying, you know, that I think he's got a pretty distinct pace advantage. And somebody said to me, Kings Barnes will, will keep him from – from getting a, having a big lead. And, and I, I told him that Kings Barnes is a tortoise. Um, and in comparison <laughs> to Dermot Sotogake, he is right. I mean, he got a, he took advantage of a, just a, an incredibly slow pace and a good inside in Louisiana Derby. So, you know, with that said, I, I like that Mandarin hero kept up and um, in, in what was a, you know, a pretty, pretty taxing early pace and, um, and it's finished. Right. I mean, and you, you know, I, I don't like doing this, but tack a furlong onto there. I probably wins. Yeah. I mean, it's right. It's obviously the dynamics are different, but I mean, he was finishing. Um, yeah. And that's that's something you got to pay attention to. 16 to one on him. I, I think I'm still sell uh, at that number. For Yeah, I, too I, yeah, I mean, even though, I mean, you could say, well, you just said he might go have one going longer and I'm liking the other horse at, at, at a similar price. But I just... It's it's the lack of of like knowledge and body of work for me that 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 makes makes that feel the case and just yeah it feels like this could be a completely lost horse uh, oh, on the totally. day you know totally so he could say yeah he could uh, he could be totally lost it's it's he's a horse I think that could be largely forgotten and you know part of it also people depend on who are the four defections that are going to get him into the field right and that's assuming that nobody gains points in the Lexington that's underneath where he is right now I don't know who is, uh, you know, who is looking to go there. I mean, I would, if they really covet an opportunity in the, in the Derby, um, I would send disarm to the Lexington. Uh, I know Steve Asperson seems to never win at Keeneland, but you know, he's a horse that it obviously took forever to get back to the races as a three-year-old. He ran in, in at Oaklawn in mid February, ran the Louisiana Derby. I get it. I mean, you'd be putting a lot into him. You'd, he'd be running three times in six weeks. Um, but again, I mean, if you want to get there, you basically just have to run third in the Lexington, second in the Lexington to guarantee your spot. So he's one that I could see. I also, I, I, I heard yesterday that confidence game might run in the Lexington. Interesting. And, um, that was a route that Keita Sormo took with my boy, Jack, who um, won it in, uh, in 2018, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. So, yeah. I don't have any clue there. The whole training him up and now maybe we're going to run him three weeks before. I don't get it. But, uh, but I do respect Keita Sormo as a horseman. For sure. I mean, right, right now, right now, your bubble horse is Skinner, um, who we did not talk about before, but you can, I think, tell a story about um, based on based on the race that 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 he ran and the middle move and and you know you 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 could you could conjure reasons for him to reverse the form with those two from the Santa Anita Derby, but he's twenty, and then yeah, you got a bunch of horses in here. Um, that, that would be a third in the Lexington away from being able to crack the field. So yeah, we're not going to really know um, the composition of the field until after, until after next week, it, it, it sure sounds like, what did you think of Skinner? Did you, did you have any reason to, uh, to, were you with me on what I was saying that tripwise you could, you know, certainly put him in the conversation with those two. Yeah. I mean, look, he missed it by what a neck. So um, he's a horse that, that I think is, is getting better his running style always makes him vulnerable. He doesn't really finish the way I'd like for, um, for a horse that I'd, I'd want to, you know, I'd want to back a little bit more, but he's, there's something there. There's some talent there. They just, I don't think they've tapped into the extent of it. Maybe he's a horse more for the second half of the year 
Um, the, you know, the problem is John Sheriff is going to run him in all of those boring, meaningless West Coast races, not to insult our friends on the West Coast. I love California racing, but, you know, the, the low sal derby and the shared belief in races like that. So I hope that's not the case. I hope he runs better if given the opportunity. I, I mean, I imagine they'll run. I can. There's only two horses on in the top 20 right now that I can see not running because their connections opt not to. And my prediction on that would be Rocket Ken and Blazing Sevens. I don't think that Chad Brown is going to run blazing sevens in the Derby. I don't see how he makes up the six lengths between him and, and tap trice and verifying from the other day. Um, unless those are connections that just tell him, Hey, we have enough points we're running. And yes. I mean, Mott is a pretty, pretty sharp guy and rocket Ken's Arkansas Derby was horrendous. The problem is that, you know, Frank Fletcher is a guy that hasn't had a lot of derby opportunities, so he may want to run just to get into the field. And and then, I mean, usually, you know, last year was it was a remarkably small number, but usually there's some attrition in the top 20 just based on injuries or sicknesses or things like that. There's usually two to three of those. So, you know, I, I feel good about Cyclone Mischief getting in at 45, and then you have that group of four at 40, the only one of which I think won't they won't run as Major Dude. So um, you'll have, you know, uh, Mandarin Hero, King Russell, and Disarm trying to, to battle it out for that last spot. That's right. As of now, Mandarin Hero outside uh, outside looking in. Um, I should have pointed that out before when we were talking about it. Another reason why the 16 is, is kind of insane, honestly. Um, let's talk about a few more horses while we can. We, we didn't really talk about Kings Barnes. You, you sort of tipped your hand, though, that uh, – you felt like uh, trip-wise, what happened in the Louisiana Derby not going to happen in the Kentucky Derby. Are you are you completely against? I mean, this is a horse that's as short as eight to one in places, and the sharpest book has it ten. Oh yeah, no, I'm total sell at eight or ten. This horse has has virtually no chance, in my opinion. I don't I don't see him. It's going to take a quantum leap forward for me to to like this horse in in this race, um, even with it being a relatively slow pace. So he's also a horse who feels like he'd be at a big disadvantage drawing maybe the six inward. Cause I don't even know if he's fast enough to get the lead from down there. Um, and, and I mean, I know I'm, I'm kind of a broken record on the topic, but the, the pace in the Louisiana Derby was, it was exceptionally slow. I mean, you almost never see a, a bulky field Kentucky Derby prep run at such a slow early pace. And I mean, just to put this thing in perspective, his time form U.S. running pace line is 80, 80, 83, 95, 105. If he ran those pace figures in the Wood Memorial, he would have been 10 lengths out. Right. Right. So, I mean, for everybody who made comments about, well, look at how he finished. Yes. When horses run slow early, they will finish well. Yes. Right. It is not something, this is, it's not debatable. So, um, yeah, he's a horse that I would, he, it, a lot of times you can get in the Derby trail, you can get a leader in the clubhouse type that runs a good race early. And then everybody's like, oh, you know, an epicenter was kind of that way last year, right? These dirt, these final preps shook out. And I kept telling everybody like, I don't know what you're looking at because epicenter looked better than any of those horses to me. And I think that led to him maybe being a little bit softer going into the, the Derby price wise. And I mean, looking back at that field, shouldn't he have been less than 4.1 to one? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think probably that. a point lower. Yeah. So that won't happen, I think, with Kings Barnes. No, that that uh, it, it's a different a different situation. Verifying currently listed at sixteen. Um, you bet this horse. Oh, I, I should have asked you about the inquiry too. Did you think there was anything in that inquiry? And uh, what what do you think about verifying going forward? 
most interesting thing about that inquiry to me is uh, how much the stewards are going to find Tyler first for the list objection. (laughs) He created all of that. And um, and I don't blame him for, for trying the funny, the funny thing about the wood and the bluegrass both had inquiries. And in both cases, the jockeys who objected were the offenders because Manny objected in the wood and, and I get it. I mean, he probably figured, screw it. It's Paco. You know, they might as well look. <laughs> and, then, and then they show the stretch. And so, I, I mean, when I saw the inquiry sign go up and they showed the head on, I thought oh, maybe Paco got a little cheeky. You know, Paco's a guy that that likes to, known to happen. Take, take any edge he can get. Right. And then I watched it and was like, damn, I mean, Paco was a choir boy down the stretch here. So um, verifying, I put up a poll on Twitter this morning and and, and everybody I promise I'm not, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing duplicitous about my, my Twitter poll or anything, but I asked who had a better chance to win the Derby hit show or verifying. And I have a very clear answer on that. And that horse is going to lose the poll based on what's going on so far. In my opinion, hit show is way likelier to win the Derby than verifying. Right. I don't think verifying has much chance at all. And I say that because there are better pace stalkers, pace pressers than him that have a higher likelihood of finishing that race a little bit better. I mean, I'll give you one. Who's likelier to win, verifying or mage? Ooh, mage is way likelier, in my opinion. Yeah, it's, it's it's he he just keeps getting better. You know, he he right. can pump a lot of blue sky into him for sure. I mean, verifying doesn't look. He, I mean, just looking at the PP cut with the updated PP cut right now. I mean, he's got a long shots look for sure. Yeah. You know, he's not, yeah, he looks like a, right. He, he looks like a 20 to one shot, right? Yeah. He looks, you know, he's got a little without all of the grit and some of the better races earlier, you could look like, I mean, you could see like a little bit of a funny side type vibe. He was a hard trying second to a good horse. Um, you know, in a, in a, in a slow paced derby, he probably merits a little bit more consideration. It just feels like we saw verifying's best shot on Saturday. And it doesn't, it doesn't feel like to me, he's going to get a great opportunity to run a heck of a lot better than that in the Derby. Maybe he won't have to run a heck of a lot better, but he's going to have to run better. What? Let's take a look at what Mage is right now, actually. That's an interesting question. Then we should do more on the wood. And then we got to, I, I had all these ambitions to talk Oaks too. We're only eight horses into the Derby and we're already basically out of time. We'll have to continue this. We'll do an Oaks one a little bit uh, yeah. further down the line on this. Mage 20 to one. So yeah, the market, the market has hit show and has hit show 25. So the market is in agreement with the poll for whatever that's worth with verifying at 16 compared to uh, compared to 20 and 25. But I mean, I think you're making a very good case uh, in your, in your direction is why you feel that way. What did you think about the wood in, in general? This came back the slowest of the preps on paper um, hit show getting nosed by uh, Lord miles in what was a, a fairly uh, Titanic update by my reading of the form. 93 was the buyer speed figure there for Lord Miles as opposed to practical moves, 100 and tap at traces, 99. Um, it sounds like you still have some encouragement, some hope for, for Hit Show going forward. What do, t- Tell me what you thought of his trip. I mean, I think he's a, you know, he's a live 25 to one shot or so. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's in, very likely to win. But again, I mean, if you're taking a big price on a horse, he feels like one of the ones that that I can make a bit of a case for. I think he's a horse that really has run. He's run improved races in his last two. They haven't been great by any means, but, but probably out of his comfort zone. And I think his comfort zone is just lay back and make one run. And, and I think he's been forced to be used a little bit more early 
in the withers because they were, I think, a little unsure about letting Arctic Arrogance get too far away. And on Saturday, because he had the 13 post. So, I mean, he had to be used a little bit to stay forward. This is a horse whose pace lines for a real confirmed closer look a lot faster early than you'd expect. So, um, yeah, I'd I'd buy at 20-25. He's going to have to run better on the day, no doubt about it. But, you know, when push comes to shove, this is a horse who got a 90-93. Forte got a 95 Right. So, I mean, it's not like he's much slower and I'd love to see Brad Cox's camp tell whoever the rider is, you know, get out of there, but let him settle into stride. Don't use him much early. And if you end up too far back, you end up too far back. Right. You just but take your chances settling to make one run. This is a horse would be a great fit for Joel Rosario. If for some reason Manny ends up on a different horse, this is a very Rosario type of horse that he could just let settle and then produce that one bid. Um, because I do think he's a little bit better than his price if he's 20, 25 to one. We should talk Lord Miles while we're here. Uh, the market actually has him shorter um, pretty much across the board. Uh, 20 to one for the Kentucky Derby. Um was this a, a one-hit wonder situation? Do you see him? Do you see him potentially having an impact? You know, he ran well. It's hard to poke holes in the race that he ran. He was never really all that far back. He finished up. Um, it's you know, three horse battles down the stretch are fun to watch. They're also a little unsightly at times um, because you just don't you don't envision that they're running particularly well. Um, but I do think he ran a credible race, and you know, he's a deserving price in the in the Derby. He's going to have to run quite a bit better, but. Um, he's a horse who I think did have, it's funny, you know, I, I was, I was talking to Andy Sterling Saturday morning and he told me that he liked shadow dragon and he made the case for shadow dragon that he thought he was inside in the fountain of youth and that that hurt because the rail was bad. Lord miles was inside too, mm-hmm. you know, and, and was one that just got a little overlooked because he really hadn't run particularly well in a while. So, you know, do I think he's a very likely derby winner? No, but I do think he's a, He's not the most uninteresting 25 to one shot. Yeah, I think that's I think that's all fair. My lean would be against based on um, the overall reading of the form that you do make an interesting point about the Florida race. We'll speed round the others under 20 to one here and we'll get to the uh, and we'll get to the Oaks next time Two Phil's sitting there right in the same group of horses at 20 to one. Um, he's got some fast figures. He might be the leader in the clubhouse type that that you that you want to give some consideration to that's just been a little bit forgotten. So yeah, I, I he's got a good race over the track. Um, the other variable that you have with him that he's probably helped by is if it rains. You know, he's a horse I think that's going to be a move up in the slot based on the way he won the the street sense last year and and comes in off the synthetic effort that was very solid. So yeah, I I would say for me at twenty he's a buy. Yeah, that's 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 pretty interesting. I mean, that was a pretty quick race in the in the Jeff Ruby too. I think the official oh, figure one hundred one, and yeah, it felt like one. It felt like if it was if the one hundred one was wrong, it was too low, right? I mean, wasn't it that? I think yeah. it was that type of number. So we'll we'll uh, we'll see how it works out. Another horse that could uh, conceivably get get a bit lost, but I I don't mind uh, I don't mind that price. That's not crazy. Mage, we talked about already twenty to one. You know, I mean, my gut says I want more, but this is a horse that you can definitely tell a story about based on, you know, how much he's done in his limited three races. I mean, the horse has done, he's yet to run like a truly fast figure, but he's done a whole lot of running. Yeah, that that's exactly the the story, right? Is that he did, he did the most running of anybody in the Florida Derby, um, given that he was just out of the gate so poorly, um, you know, didn't have much of an opportunity 
and and made that huge move around the turn. You know, if you're if you're long term buying, you're probably looking at Mage. Um, this is a horse who I think still has a lot of a lot of room to move forward. So I have no uh, no argument there. Well, this is the first of many, many conversations we're going to be having. Actually, it's not even the first. We've been talking about it all year. But the first, since we have a pretty decent idea of what the field is going to end up being. But we'll we'll have chances to come back to this. Nick, you'll be joining later on for our Kentucky Derby draft. That'll be fun. It's always tricky getting down to those uh, those fourth-round picks, um, you know, trying to, trying to do some guesswork. It's a, a contest that's been won in a number of different styles over the years. That'll be me and you as well as uh, Michelle Yu and Naomi Tucker joining us as well. So that should be fun. Uh, any closing thoughts from you before we send home for this uh, slightly abbreviated version of the show? No, it's a good weekend uh, all in all with the exciting derby preps. And so now we're headlong into the first Saturday in May. Not much left. We have a new sponsor here at In The Money Media. Wanted to tell you about it's Cut, K-U-T-T. This is a peer-to-peer social betting platform that's legal in 37 states plus D.C. where you can bet on sports, politics, and pop culture. Cut handles the payment side of things so you never have to chase anyone down for money. Tons of social features, group chats, betting leaderboards, much, much more. Cut, the social betting platform that lets you put your money where your mouth is. Check it out, kutt.com. And right now we've got a special offer for In The Money Media listeners, a 10% deposit bonus up to 100 in credits when you use our promo code In The Money. Check it out now, cut.com, In The Money. Welcome back to the In The Money Airwaves, the woman known around here as the first lady of the In The Money Players podcast from the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation. She is Kim Weir. Kim, how are things? They are great. Spring is coming to Saratoga, Pete, and it feels like um, it feels like a good time to get together with you, my friend. <laughs> I, I agree. I mean, this is the big ramp up right now in terms of uh, Derby stuff. The coverage is coming fast and furious on our side. You and I both making trips down to Lexington this week, uh, but we're really here to talk about this 40th anniversary celebration of the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation and some of the ways that we're celebrating it. And I'm very happy to say that uh, we're a big part of this at In The Money Media. We have a few things that folks can uh, join into where we'll get a chance to hang out and, uh, and and talk some horses and maybe even drink some whiskey, all kinds of good stuff. But we don't necessarily have to start there. I want to start with the new TRF website. If you think you know the TRF website, folks, uh, think again, revamped in celebration for the 40th trfinc.org and you can always pop our slash players link on there to get to you know our in the money specific stuff but this time i'm telling you to go to the main page to check out some of the cool uh video clips and just the way the site is arranged i i think it's i, I have a feeling I, I sent some of your fingerprints on this camera Oh, well, it has been a joy to watch it come to life, and we are very proud of it. So thanks for noticing. It's like when you get a haircut and someone says, did you get your haircut? <laughs> thanks for noticing. Um, and we are really proud. I mean, we know the horses are the star of our story, and the best we can do by them is to t- share them in, in living color. And this website really does that, I think, in an exciting way with the video and some different ways of presenting who we are and what we do. And and we just hope it's, it's more user-friendly. You know, UX is everything these days. And... Um, so there it is, and it will only get better as um, as time goes on. But thank you for for noticing it, and I hope your viewers will enjoy it as they. And you're no doubt getting another call in the background with somebody complimenting that. <laughs> well, you know how it goes when you sit in other people's offices for <laughs> these such things, and that would be the case. I'm actually at Lazy Dog Cookie Company today, but oh, we very don't nice. Very nice. Well, 
since it's us, let's start and end with whiskey and get everything what? else in between. Ah. We'll, we'll start off. I wasn't able to be there this year for the commemorative bottle signing just because the way the timing worked out. But uh, I understand it went uh, it went very well with our well, friends, uh, Joel and uh, Shug. Yes. Well, you in some ways you haven't missed it yet, because what we've been doing, we launched last Tuesday the pre-sale. So there is at this point, honestly, between you and me and all of our listeners, there's one bottle signed as of this recording. Um, but the bottles are flying off the shelf. And when Suge arrives in town, um, he will sign and Joelle will probably be with me on Monday. That's our plan, um, the 17th. And so all these bottles will be duly sold, uh, duly signed. The good news is we have actually already sold 191 of the 400 bottles. Like this is literally flying off the shelf. So if folks are interested in the commemorative bottle, it is right there on your page, Pete. I'm actually up to date today. It's a rare, rare thing. Um, And the bottles are going for 149 this year because all of your listeners will know why it's going for 149 this year for our 149th Derby. Um, And there's 400 bottles and we, we are really excited about it because it is the secretariat, um, beautiful artwork of the secretariat, um, commemorative and then it's signed by suge and joelle because it's 10 years ago that orb won the derby so a great so, tradition I, yeah. love this, I love this tradition it was fun getting to hang with doug o'neill last year for all have another um and and he's been uh been i hadn't really met him much before so that was like oh, really our first one of our he, first major dealings and that was great he's cool dude he's lovely oh my gosh he's just such a good good guy and so kind and and really believes in what we do so we were grateful to him but suge and joelle have also been very gracious and i look forward to spending some time with them so for your bourbon consuming audience if you want one of these special bottles i would say act fast i'm hoping to actually have this all wrapped up before derby this year because i will be there derby week um for a check presentation <laughs> great well yeah it's the woodford reserve commemorative label for um 50 years of secretariat and then signed by joel rosario and chug mcgahee won the derby 10 years ago on orb very very cool uh a promotional item and, and a whiskey that should be on your shelf if you have any interest in whiskey or collecting or frankly horse racing so check it out you can get that right through our link trfinc.org slash players we'll come back to the other whiskey thing that yeah. i'm involved in but yet a few other things that are pretty timely coming up that i wanted you to get to first where, where which one of those should we do next well why don't we go next to um uh to what, why i'm driving to kentucky next uh, tomorrow in fact um as we as we speak um and it is just a simple note that we are kicking off our first ever since i've been around to be clear we've been around 40 years so who knows we've probably done a few golf tournaments in our life but this is the first tee off for thoroughbreds charity golf tournament a week from Tuesday. So it's on the 18th of April. And that's what's bringing me down um, specifically on this trip is that we are doing that um, in Prospect, Kentucky, right by our farm at Chestnut Hall um, that you will be, you have visited and will visit again. Um, excited about this because it's our first time. It's being led by two terrific volunteers. Rob, Robin and Ted Miserak have completely spearheaded this. We have Dale and Tammy Romans as our honorary co-chairs. Nice. Jockey's playing. Um, we got David Cohen just signed up this morning, and um, Brian Hernandez is playing. Uh, your friend Sean Tugel, our friend Sean Tugel. So anyway, if you there are still a few golf spots left, so um, this will be a really fun thing next Tuesday. If you happen to be in the Louisville area and you like to swing the golf club, um, hop on and join us. It's one fifty to join um, and you get all kinds of cool goodies like TRF golf shirt and golf balls and 
Dale Romans and everything else. So that's Tuesday the 18th for those who may be in the area of Louisville. I think that sounds great. And then I wanted to make sure we got uh, the news about the Chestnut Hall rental possibility. Yeah. Out there. Well, yeah, I figured we'd then we were right down the road. So right down the road from the golf course is our beautiful sanctuary farm at Chestnut Hall. And for the first time ever, we have, are, have the ability to make that extraordinary house available to to some very special listener out there. Um, it is it is the whole house with the eight person formal dining room, the fully appointed kitchen. It sleeps six very comfortably. It honestly probably sleeps more than six, but we're saying it sleeps six. Um, and it's available for Derby weekend for one person. We're not doing this as an auction. It's just whoever reaches out first um, and is interested um, that I'd love for them to reach out to me. And it's actually on your page as well. Uh, pretty extraordinary way to spend a derby weekend. If you are interested in an experience, you can do derby with racehorses right out your bedroom window <laughs> and, um, and help the horses along the way. Everything about this rental, thanks to our gracious um, benefactor, um, all the proceeds from this rental will go to our herd and it will be a significant um, donation. So food for thought. Which night is it? We might have somebody for this. Which, let's get a few more details. Which which yeah. nights? It's are between they in there? fourth, fifth, and sixth. So gotcha. it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I mean, it's the weekend oh, you want to be there. That's um, right. That's great. Oh, I love that. Hopefully, we'll get somebody from our team to, to get in there. And uh, and speaking of the fourth, that's one of the two days we have stuff going together. This is one where I really want some listeners to uh, step up and get involved. Tickets on sale now. Uh, again, easiest way to find them. TRF Inc dot org slash players and uh, give a little give a we'll, we'll sort of make it up on the fly here so it's two little sort of differently themed events we're doing yeah so both cases you come to the farm you book this through horse country because they're our wonderful partner with all of the tours uh, all of the proceeds come straight to us but the first one you, you in both cases you get to tour the farm meet the horses interact pictures galore but on both occasions, you finish the tour on the magnificent porch at Chestnut Hall on this very same farmhouse. And if I get it right, Pete, the one on Tuesday, the second, is the coffee and maybe Bloody Mary's version, right? The morning yep. version. Do I have that right? I think that sounds right. Yeah. And so what fun. You get to do the horses, enjoy the farm, spring in Kentucky, and then you sit on the porch with your very best favorite handicapping friend ever, PTF. And uh, you get to have a cup of coffee, maybe have a Bloody Mary, and you get to talk about a couple of those races that are coming up on the biggest racing weekend of the year. So that same format will repeat on Thursday the 4th. But we do it in the afternoon, which means we can rationalize a little bourbon tasting with my friend, Pete Fornatal. Now, funnily enough, I have found my way to buy a plane ticket to come down on Monday and to leave on Friday of Derby Week. So be careful, PTF. I may be, I may be a ringer in the crowd for both of these events. I love it. No, it would be great to get to hang with you. And I'm sure people wouldn't do that. that that's a selling point. That's a, that's a feature, not a bug, as we like to say <laughs> around here. But yeah, we'd love, love to be able to get a chance to hang out with some more listeners. Last time we did this, we had an absolute blast and we didn't even have a very nice weather day and it was terrific so maybe we'll get a little bit lucky but if not we'll have some libations to uh to keep us warm we can we can change the libation depending on what the weather situation yeah. is but hopefully it'll be sipping some nice whiskey on the afternoon and maybe a bloody mary uh in in the morning on tuesday very easy to find through horse country you can find the link on it's probably easiest to just go to my page on TRF and navigate through, but you can also find it right there at visithorsecountry.com as well. So yeah, come see us. That would be a ton of fun. And uh, I said, I said we'd start and end with, with bourbon, but 
there is one more item on the list here I wanted to I wanted to ask you about. I'm I'm a fashion question, Kim, because I'm looking to uh, I'm looking to spruce up my pocket square collection for uh, this year's Triple Crown season. And looking at the shopping section on the TRF website, it seemed like you might have something for me. I love that you are the fashionista. You embrace all elements of racing, um, and that includes the attire and uh, one of my favorite things. So we have something super fun that is there in the shop. You have it has caught your eye because it is really so pretty, and it is um, it's it's a collection actually. The collection is called. The Penny, named after our very own original board member of the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation, none other than Penny Chenery. This collection is named for her. Um, and this whole collection is created by a fabulous artist in Atlanta. Uh, her name is Courtney. Her business is C.B. Gray. She does silk scarves. All silk is her her um, medium that she works in. So all, long and the short of it, I always like the long, of course, but basically a lovely woman and her daughters came on a tour with me at Chestnut Hall way back in the earliest of days, like days after our horses arrived at Chestnut Hall in spring of 2021. This lovely woman, her name is Melanie, brought her daughters, somehow had the, um, the, the fortune, or, I guess the fortune for me, that she came on a tour with me and her daughters fell in love with the horses and the TRF. Fast forward to about two weeks ago, I get a phone call from Melanie, who reminds me who she is, and I did very much remember her and her daughters, and she says, here's what's happened since then. Two years later, her daughters loved this mission so much, and there's a twist of another fundraiser in the middle. She ended up commissioning a scarf pattern with this artist, whose name is Courtney, C.B. Gray, and this this scarf pattern is based on drawings of Melanie's daughter that she drew. They drew them, little girls drew these horsey drawings. The artist put it together as a pattern and the artist and Melanie launched this with the proceeds of all the items going to the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation. Um, and I was just, this was just deposited upon me, like all wrapped with a bow two weeks ago. I had no idea any of this was happening and it's a beauty and it is very much meant to commemorate the women who inspired it. So it's named the Penny for Penny Chenery, but it also um, tips its hat to nine other women who inspired Melanie and her daughters. Um, it's a really cool story. I encourage everyone to read. And I am humbly, uh, humbly shaking my head that somehow I got a mention in the 10 as the person who told her daughters about the TRF. So it's, it's really quite cool. And I hope folks will take a look at it and know that there are pocket squares for the gentlemen and beautiful <laughs> scarves and headbands, even for the little girls. So whatever right. you're looking for, it's another nice shop shop for the horses and, and rock some really cool gear throughout the, the derby season and onward. And you find that right on the TRF site under the shopping. I think that it's like, a, it'll say shop now or, or, you mm -hmm. know, it's, it's intuitive. Once you get there, scroll down to the bottom on my page and it's there and, and you can obviously find it elsewhere as well. So what, what exactly are you doing in Kentucky over the next few days? What anything oh, uh, folks can participate in? Yeah, well, I am most importantly, uh, well, not most importantly, but just lots of fun. I'm look, I'm going to be talking on the phone the whole way there. That's one thing I'm doing tomorrow. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Um, but then uh, a lot of it is with a little bit of pregame getting ready for the golf tournament. We have a couple of very special silent auction items that are going into the, the golf tournament, and one of which involves me and a large bourbon barrel at Keeneland uh, and some signatures. So that might just be worth photos of that happening because it is a big 
full-sized bourbon barrel. <laughs> Harry Rice. If anyone knows Harry Rice, he is getting all kinds of herd brownie points and gold stars for helping me with that. The most fun of all is that Bobby, my very own um, uh, handicapper, is going to be joining me and we will be at Keeneland on Saturday on the hill at our friend Matt's fabulous tailgate. And then we'll be in the grandstand with friends on Sunday. So that is super fun. And then on to the golf tournament on Tuesday. I'm hoping I'll cross paths with you. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I'd love to come to the hill. I uh, just got to figure out what my work responsibilities are. I'm on TV Saturday and Sunday, but I right. should be able to do uh, at least a little bit of a pre-gaming up there um, before that goes down. And yeah, say hi. If you see me, uh, oh, holler. Yeah. It's always great. I, you know, I love going to Lexington in particular. It seems like it's the highest per capita number of people who sort of like get what we do at any <laughs> racetrack, including Saratoga. It feels like, uh, I, I feel in a funny way, the most home at, at Lexington in, in, in a lot of ways. And Kim always enjoys hearing from people too and talking about the yeah. TRF and their mission. So yeah, feel don't be a stranger listeners. No. And uh, Kim will definitely find, you know, more than one opportunity to hang out this week. Appreciate you coming on here and we will be talking again soon. Thank you, Pete. See you soon. All right. We will thank Kim one more time. We will thank Nick Tamaro for joining us for the first part of the show. We'll thank our founding partners, including the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation and also 10 Strike Racing for being with us since the very, very beginning. This show, no, I don't want to do that line yet. I want to do the line where I say thanks most of all to all of you, the listeners, for making the show so much fun to do. This show's been a production of In The Money Media. Our business manager is Drew Cotney, also will be at Keeneland this weekend. Um, our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatel. May you win all your photos. <laughs> <laughs>